Amen. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's so fun to be back here, and it did feel really special that it was 10 years ago that I very nervously stood up and shared what God had done in my life and got baptised in that pool. And some of the faces that helped me along that journey are, are here today, so thank you if you're a part of that journey. Today I want to talk about having a kingdom perspective, what it means to have a perspective of ourselves, of the way that God would see us, the way that the king would see us. Because actually names that we would say over ourselves and we would speak over ourselves are really powerful. Our words are powerful. Proverbs tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death and those who live it will eat its fruits. So the names that we say have power. And for me, my journey of church planting, and the reason why I didn't church plant for so long, was because I was saying things over myself. And I was saying things like, but I'm a woman. I'm only a woman. But I didn't come to faith till I was 21, so God couldn't possibly use me. And I'm single and I'm not married. God possibly couldn't use me. Because I've done and seen things that a lot of Christians probably haven't even come close to seeing. And I started saying these things over myself. But I had a pastor in America who believed in me and who saw me differently because he had a kingdom perspective of me. He saw me the way that Jesus sees me with someone who desperately, desperately desires everyone to be in a relationship with Jesus. I am someone that wants to, more than anything, love people and tell them about Jesus. And so to me, that then equated to planting a church. And I'll share a bit more about that story in a, in a moment. But um, naming is, is really important. And uh, at school, I was a little naughty. I still am a little naughty now, actually. Um, but at school, I was very naughty, and i play up kind of a substitute teacher's Uh, when they would come in and I would change my name. And my name change would have a different alias to it. So I would kind of change it. I'd have a a Welsh name and I'd come from a a farm in Wales or I'd have a a really posh name and and I'd just moved from London. And uh, I was in a private school. And I would would change my name. But that's because a name has lots of different connotations to it. But like I say... It can be changed, and God can change that. We read it throughout the, throughout the Bible. Abraham, Jacob, Simon, Saul. Like We read the way that God changes people's names, and he changes them because he sees what they can be, what they can become when they have an encounter with Jesus. And so what the first thing I want to say to you is, if you are speaking negatively over yourself and you are speaking negative names, names that are different to the way that Jesus would name you, stop it, stop it now. Because you are not allowing yourself to grow and therefore you are not allowing the kingdom to grow if you are speaking that over yourself. And that is a choice that you have to make today. Choose to believe it, choose to speak it, and choose to start walking in it. And I know it's hard. Sometimes it is easier as Christians to love God than it is to love ourselves. But do you know what? If we start loving ourselves, then we are really loving God. Because he really wants us to be comfortable with who we are and to love ourselves. 
but we get it mixed up. And this is because the Christian life was never meant to be lived with this perspective from earth to heaven, but from heaven to earth. And we need to realign our perspective from the kingdom and the king's point of view. So I want to look today at some people in the New Testament, some siblings, two sisters and a brother, and the way that they see each other and they see themselves and the way that Jesus sees them. Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And we're going to look at the two interactions that Jesus has with these guys. So if you'd like to turn with me, please, to Luke 38. Um, this first passage uh, is, is very well known, and I find it so interesting, and we have many thoughts about Mary and Martha. So let's look at it together. I think it's going to come up. If you haven't got a Bible, if you have, then please open it. My church is in Cambridge is, is fun. It's mainly full of um, young people and students, and I've never been in a church where when I preach every week, Pretty much everybody gets their phones out. I think we have about one person in our church who actually has a Bible other than myself. So I'm like, get your Bibles out. Phones come out. But it's fine. If you haven't got a Bible, then do download an app. They are great. So here we read. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and and it will not be taken from her. Now, the first person here is Martha. Some of you may be older siblings, and so you may particularly relate to Martha. But a lot of us in church kind of go, oh, yes, yes, I'm Martha. I serve, I serve. And then I see this other person, and they get favor, and Jesus loves them. And what's going on with me? Jesus, notice me. Martha is exceptional. You know, the Lord came to to serve and not be served. And here we see a wonderful example of a servant. Who opens their house? Martha, not Mary. It says Martha opened her home. Martha's the one who says, Jesus, come in. Come into my house and inhabit my house. And that's often missed here. You know, if this was a play, I studied performing arts here and I often, when I read the Bible, it comes so alive to me because if I I see it all kind of either on stage or in a movie, if this were a play, how many of us would want to play Martha? We'd want to be Mary, right? We'd want to be the one sitting at Jesus' feet. But there is something to be said about Martha. And there is also something to be said about the way that Martha sees herself and the way that she sees Mary. I love Jesus so much because of he just defies everything that was of the world. Women should not have come and sat at the foot of the rabbi. But yet Jesus says, come and sit at my feet and come and be with me. 
And that is because Martha had the view of the world. She did not have the perspective of the king. She did not understand that she could sit at the feet of Jesus. We all can sit at the feet of Jesus. That's because we are all equal. We are all the same in the eyes of the Lord. And the other thing here that I want to mention is this thing around comparison. Sometimes we can compare ourselves. The earthly perspective means that we can compare ourselves. Jesus loves us all the same. And comparison is a thief. It robs us of joy. That's what Theodore Roosevelt said. Comparison is a thief of joy. Sometimes when we put those labels onto ourselves, those negative labels, that's because we are comparing ourselves to someone else. I remember standing at the back here one time in church and I'd not long given my life to Jesus and I was still very much on a journey and I was stood with uh, my best friend at university and she'd grown up a Christian all of her, her life and knew and loved the Lord and the both of us were studying performing arts and somebody, as they were praying for us, I had my eyes closed, said, you are going to, let me get this word right, they said, you are going to... Um, work for a traveling theater company, a Christian traveling theater company. Well, I, of course, I assumed it was her because here's me still with an absolute mess of a lifestyle thinking I couldn't possibly, God couldn't possibly use me, but I opened my eyes and that person was talking about me. But for so long, I was comparing myself to this upright Christian, but yet God used me and that prophetic word came true. And straight after I left Winchester, I moved up to Manchester and I worked for a traveling Christian theater company. God's good. Don't compare. So, back to Martha. She opens her home to him. She is the servant of the Lord. The other thing about Martha is that quite often when this is uh, read and this is preached, it says about how Jesus rebukes her. But when Jesus speaks to us and says, I see you differently, he doesn't come with a wagging finger and say, nor to you. He comes in the way that he does to Martha. And he so gently, so lovingly calls to her. And he says, Martha, Martha, that beautiful repetition, rather than Martha. Jesus calls us by name. As he did to me when he said, Lauren, Lauren, you're looking at yourself in a different way to the way that I look at you. Come and be with me. Come and partner with me and what I want to do in Cambridge. And I want to say that to you this morning. Jesus is softly calling you to sit at his feet, to listen to him and to listen to his calling for your life. In verse 40, Martha asks the question, do you not care? That's the question that a lot of us have in our hearts. We see blessing upon blessing on people around us and we see them living out this life where they're going to other countries and sharing the gospel or whatever else is happening. And we see their ministry flourishing and we don't see in it ours. And we cry out the same as Martha did, do you not care? But Jesus speaks gently to you and says, Of course I care. 
I listen to every cry of your heart. Come and sit and come and be with me. He cares about every detail. He cares when you are sick. He cares when your family is sick. He cares when you are struggling in your work. He cares when you're struggling in your family relationships. He cares when your ministry area isn't flourishing the way that you would hope that it would. He cares with your mental illness that you're struggling with right now. He cares about your financial problems. Jesus cares and he says, come and be with me. And he says, I do not see you the way that you see you. I do not see you the way that your sibling sees you the way that your father sees you, the way that your mother sees you. I do not see you the way that the world sees you. I see you the way that the father sees you. Come and sit with me and let me teach you. So then I want to look now at their second interaction, which is um, found in the Gospel of, of John. I mean, this isn't their second but it's, it's the second in the, in the Gospels. And this time we meet their, their brother Lazarus. So we're going to read from John eleven thirty eight 38 to 44. Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been, been there for, for day, he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So we see here the brother and what has happened, right? He's been, he's been raised to life. Jesus comes and he knows what's going to happen. He does it and he brings him back to life. However, what happens beforehand is really interesting. Jesus comes and he comforts the sisters. So from verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha rushed out to see him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. 
After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had Jews who had come along with her also weeping, she was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Then one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And as I read beforehand, we know that that doesn't happen. He doesn't keep him from dying. Did you hear what it said? Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loves us. He loves you. He notices you. And let us compare this interaction with their last. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This time, how does Martha react? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister. Mary aside, the teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. This time, Martha knows who she is and she knows who Jesus is. And again, this is another example of who Jesus is. Jesus engages in this theological conversation with Martha, a woman. <gasps> and the other time that he does this, he has another similar interaction with this, is with Peter. One of his inner, inner, you know, Peter's one of the disciples, but he's one of the really close disciples. And here we see Jesus having this theological conversation with Martha, who before he had gently spoken to. And yet this time, here she is, here Jesus is. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe that you are the Messiah. And like I say, one of my favorite verses as well, Jesus wept. The reason I read the bit beforehand about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is Jesus knows that he has the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. But yet, Jesus wept. And the Jews noticed, see how he loved him. For some of us, we might be in that time of waiting where we know that we are called to something great. But it feels like we're in those days waiting for Jesus. And we're going through something that feels, quite frankly, dead. Maybe we've had a failed ministry before. Or there is something in our lives that thinks, makes you think, do you know what? I just don't feel like I can do this. But Jesus has resurrection power. 
And whilst you are waiting in that time and you are waiting for Jesus, let me tell you, he is with you in it. He is gently standing by your side and weeping alongside you. Because he loves you. See how he loved them. See how he loved him. See how he loves you. And actually in verse 33 where it says, deeply moved in spirit, the original language is a bit more aggressive than that. And it's actually that he has this anger, this anger inside of him. And that's because Jesus stands against every attack of the enemy and every power of death. But Jesus can come and he has the power against death. He can defeat death. So whatever it is that is stopping you from saying, I'm going to walk in this calling that Jesus is calling me to, Jesus has the power to step in if you will allow him and you will wait patiently while he is with you. He has the power to change it. I also want to speak to you for a minute about accepting those words. We heard in the video about how um, people kind of had, within their church planting callings, had received words from other people. And whether you are um, being called to plant a church, to go on a church plant, whether there is just something within your life that people are speaking over you, whether it's kind of as simple as you're really good at your job, you're a really great mother, you're a really great father, you're a great friend you're a kind person. Sometimes we don't accept those words. And actually in not accepting those words, you are not fully receiving the blessings of those words. And therefore you are keeping the blessings from God sinking into your life and changing it. So I just want to encourage you today to open your heart. So many people have said to me, Lauren, you're going to plant a church. You're meant to preach. And I kept rejecting them. Because if I was seeing myself from an earthly perspective. But when I started to accept them and started to say, okay, maybe this could be, maybe this could happen. Then I started to see something change. One of the biggest moments for me with it, when it came to church planting was um, when I was out in the States, I got a scholarship to a female pastor's conference. But even that in itself was quite hilarious because I had to send a letter promising that I would plant a church within the next three years. And um, <laughs> so my pastor told me about this. He sent me this and um, he said, oh, you know, you should apply for the scholarship. So there I was, I wrote this letter and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to write this letter. They live in America. They won't know whether I plant a church or not. Um, <laughs> but I wrote this letter and I won this scholarship. So there in itself was me speaking, I am going to plant a church. It wasn't with my mouth, but it, it was in words. So there I am on this, this train over. So they paid for my travel across. So I went from Chicago across to California. And I chose to take a train across because I wanted to see some of America. And I sat on this train. And next to me was this man who just two weeks beforehand had given his life to Jesus. And his life was at an absolute mess still. He was still an alcoholic. He'd just come out of prison. Um, he was estranged from his wife. He didn't see his daughter. And I felt 
God say to me as I was speaking to him? This is what I've created you for, to love people and tell them about Jesus. And that looks like planning a church. So I thought, oh, I can do that. Oh, can I? So then I started to share to him about my story. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to plan a church. I don't really know. I'm a woman. I'm really young. I don't know how to do this. And as I'm sat there, so he sat next to me on the train. As I'm sat there, this girl diagonally across from me turns around and just goes, um, can, I, can I just say, in the way that Americans kind of do this, button on your conversation, I miss that, I love that, the way that they have that confidence. Uh, can I just say, my mum's a pastor and I just want to encourage you. So, oh God, you're so good. <laughs> then it gets a little more crazy. And then there's this couple sat in front of me. <laughs> And this woman pops her head over the chair and goes, my husband isn't a pastor, I am, we need to talk. (laughs) And and I came back from that journey and I told my pastor, who had sent me packing on this journey, and I told him and he just went, Lauren, what more do you need? A stone tablet falling from the sky. So, okay, I say yes to you, Lord, I say yes to you. So I want to say to you today, what is God speaking into your heart? How does he see you with a kingdom perspective, with a perspective of the king? What is there that is inside of you that you are saying, I can't do it because X, Y, and Z. But God is saying you can do it because of X, Y, and Z. Change your perspective to a kingdom perspective and then together we can grow the kingdom. If you'd like to stand, I would like to to pray for people. There's two things that I want to do. It's really fun at the moment because we have our church services in the evening. So I'm getting to go around and preach at different churches and see different churches. And I get to see the markers of different churches. And this is a real worshippers church, which doesn't surprise you when you've got these wonderful guys leading it. But I mean worship outside of music. I mean that you as a church have the most beautiful, amazing posture of worship. You know, like I just look over and I see your, your leaders here, one of whom is this amazing musician. And the other one, did you just see Joe? Flat out, sorry to embarrass you, but flat out on her face, bowed before the Lord. Oh, isn't that how we should live? You know, I just look at her and I think, oh Lord, I want to live a life like that. I want to live a life where a posture of worship, but you as a church have that. You know, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people and you are a church that is praising. So the first thing that I would like to do is I'd like for you, if you count yourself as a worshipper, and I don't just mean worship music, I mean if you play an instrument, but also if you are a worshipper, if you feel that you are called to live a life that is representing what it means to worship God and therefore bring people into a relationship with him, I'd like you to put up your hand and I'd love to pray for you right now. (laughs) You can't see this, but about two-thirds of your church are putting up their hand right now. This is beautiful. God, I just pray for every blessing on this church and the worshippers that are here. Lord, I pray that their worship is not just for them, 
that their worship would spill out into their, into their communities, into their streets, into their places of work, that they would worship you and that they would be servants to you. We read about how Martha was a servant to you, Lord. God, I pray that they would go to the ends of the earth and whatever it takes to share your name, to share your kingdom. God, bless this church and the heart of worship and the posture of worship that this church has. And bless these leaders, Lord, in the way that they are leading this church in worship. Increase the worship in this place, Lord. Increase the praises. Lord, inhabit their praises. Yes, Lord, we pray for more. We pray for more.